Mel turns to me the other night, it's late at night and I was on my way to sleep and she says, what do you love about me? And then all of a sudden I was on, <laughs> I was on high alert because I realised I probably had to get this right. And uh, so I paused for a moment and took, it, took the question seriously and then proceeded to share the things that I remembered that I loved about my wife. And then I responded. I was like, all right, it's your turn. What do you love about me? <laughs> and it was this moment of um, remembering each other, I suppose, remembering what we loved about each other, the reasons why we were you know, attracted to each other all those years ago when we decided that you were the person that I would spend the rest of my life with. Um, and I think, I think for me, probably more almost than receiving, sharing with her um, the thoughts that I had toward her was actually the part that I received from the most. It was almost, um, it was almost uh, validating in a way because when, when I praised my wife, I remembered also um, <clears throat> that, that sorry, someone of great value and worth chose me as well. Um, and it got me thinking about, um, got me thinking about beauty. It's like, so I was looking at, like, I look at her because, you know, I think she's beautiful, but when I look at her, you know, I see beauty within as well. And, um, yeah, just, just to remember that was just, it's like, oh, that's right. You're, you're beautiful and you chose me and someone of such great worth and value chose to be with me. Um, and that, that's, feels really honouring, that feels amazing. And I started thinking about beauty and I started thinking about, um, you know, when David talks about his desire was to dwell in the house of the Lord forever and gaze upon his beauty. And I was like, yeah, there's something in me that um, desires beauty. Do you know, it's something deep within. And, you know, we, we sort of, we, it's pretty easy to butcher the word, you know, like something goes right in your life. Ah, oh, beautiful. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And it's like, yeah, it's not, it's not a word that I would, you know, like um, women maybe use it better, but, you know, it's like you see something nice, oh, that's beautiful. Or, you know, you, the, the ladies would compliment each other on, you know, what they're wearing. Oh, that's beautiful. But there's something deep within me that so desires to be moved by something truly beautiful. And um, I guess I got to thinking what that was and I, I was dwelling on that for a while and I came to, I guess a conclusion that, you know, deep within my spirit, the most beautiful thing that I could possibly um, gaze on is, is him. Yeah, it's like, um, he's just so beautiful. And, you know, there's, we sing songs about his beauty and um, I, I'm not sure that I ever really got it before, but um, when I sort of, when I started to, praise my wife and remember her beauty um, and we do this together with Jesus and we worship and we remember his beauty it's like there's something in me that is just so fulfilled because um, because the, the more beautiful something is the more desirable it is right mm -hmm. like you don't walk into a store and choose the simplest um, you know most standard basic thing and go wow that's the most beautiful thing in here 
you, you look at something that, you know, is complex and is crafted amazingly and has amazing colours and shapes and, and usually it would be the most expensive thing, you know, like, and um, it's the most expensive thing because it's the, the things of greatest beauty hold the most value. And so I started thinking about, well, what is the thing that I value the most? And it's like, well, I can... I can value the things that I wear, the superficial, natural things, the praises of people. I can even look at, you know, the scenery around me and I can, I can think that's beautiful. But when I look at him and what he's done, the most beautiful thing that I could possibly consider is a love that costs something. I guess that's where I came to. You know, I can, I can tell my wife that I love her, but unless I lay down my life for her, I prove nothing. But when my love costs something, that's beautiful. And the reason it's so beautiful is because someone receives that. If I lay down my life um, for my wife, she receives something from my love in that moment. It's like, I just think when we get together and we worship, that's what we're doing. You know, it's easy to walk into a room and think, ah, oh, we're here to worship. Great, I'll sing some words and, you know, I'll, I'll be with people and, um, you know, I'll, I'll find my way into his presence and all of that is really good. But let's just not miss, let's get a glimpse this morning. Let's not miss the opportunity to gaze upon the most beautiful thing, the most beautiful person who gave everything. Yeah, thanks, James. That was, uh, that's some great thoughts. It's, uh, it's like Mel's running a little Thrive exercise. You know, it's like uh, Leela's been, she's out of the room, but she's been talking about it so much this week. She's going through the Habit Builder course on the Habit Zero, and she's just, she's just like every day she's coming out with something that's going, you know, like... Uh, anyway, I won't speak on her behalf, but, you know, like the power of what comes when we stop and pause and connect with something and, and let that be. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, we're going to let the kids cruise with Ange to go find, find out some cool and exciting things this morning. Before we kick in, man, Ben Warren, Ben Warren, so good to have you here this morning. Fresh off the plane on... Wednesday from Winnipeg, where you apologize to the family. It's another Canadian in the crew. I reckon. I reckon this is an insurgents. This is. This is Curtis. Curtis has been doing this recruiting, but now Ben's come over to hang out, work with Golden Valleys, and yeah, be a part of life over here for a little while. And you know, I think this morning already he's jumped in and he's mixing this morning. <laughs> but it's. I think it's. No, I think it's I think it's really characteristic of who you are. You know, we we caught up. I haven't spent much time with Ben, but we caught up on a Zoom call before he came. And he's like, "What's life going to look like over there?" And we just told him a bunch of stuff and said, "Oh, you know, you'd be a part of this, you'd be a part of that, you'd be a part of this." And he goes, "Yeah, but like, where can I serve? Like, where will I be able to use who I am to give to the thing that's going on over there?" And I just think that's a beautiful question before you've even stepped off the plane, and already I guess it's evident. So we appreciate you. Thanks for being here. It's uh, this is gonna be fun to get to know you and have you be a part of things and yeah, hopefully Ben Grant doesn't freak you out too much, you know. 
<laughs> yeah, fair, fair, fair. But uh, I, need, I feel like I need to shift a little bit because I got this pole in my eye. Sorry if that's going to mess up all your shots there, Chris, but I am. Um, I'm gonna struggle. Can we like, can we like just take and pull in just a little bit in this room? I know we got, I know we got a couple of people landing back, but yeah, don't be afraid. Don't be scared by the mic. Yeah, I've got, I've got a couple of thoughts to share this morning and I wanna precursor it. I know I've talked about this a couple of times already, but I'm gonna plug it. Cause I think, you know, I think it's good. Chris, can we see it? I don't know. Yeah, I think uh, good to give credit to thought trains where credit is due. This is a book by a guy named Scott Erickson. He's actually an artist, primarily. And uh, he uh, began to sort of like search his own heart, and this book is kind of about that, and, uh, and find out sort of what the real dreams in his heart were. What is it I'm really made for? What am I purpose for? What do I really want to see? And it came out of the process of seeing uh, you know, the tagline of this, you can see say yes, and then underneath it says, discovering, discover the surprising life beyond the death of a dream. It's kind of a cool thought. Discover the surprising life beyond the death of a dream. And he's, he's talking about this idea of outcomes not playing out the way we thought. And, th and, and he's calling that the death of a dream, you know, a vision that we had for our life or for what might occur. Um, but he's, he's talking about this path of finding surprising life in the place of unexpected. It didn't play out the way that I wanted or the way that I thought it would but man, I'm finding something good here. Uh, you know, and really he's talking about the purpose of that in the rhythm of God's role in our life. And uh, some of the stuff that I'm gonna talk about this morning were thoughts that were really inspired by one of the themes that he covers off on in this book. But I mean, I came back from holidays, I read this on holidays and I said, you know, I think it's the best book that I've read in 10 years. You know, I think the right thing at the right time is powerful. And um, yeah, for me in my journey, you know, this was a right thought at a right moment and uh, I know a few people already have gotten into it around me and are coming back with pretty similar feedback you know I know Glenn listened to it on an audiobook and he, he uh, he's raving about it and yeah anyway it's 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 not a plug for you better read this book it's more uh, yeah, I just want to honor the thoughts of you know this this journeyer who's sort of gone into the depths of his own life to pull out some wisdom and some truth and offer it in a really accessible form. And I think the thoughts that I have this morning are, are tagging off of one of the themes in that book. And, and that's, um, uh, you know, this, this idea of not giving up or conversely, uh, the desire to give up and, and, and where that leaves us. And what is it we're actually giving up on and what does giving up look like and what does that result in? And you know, so I read this book while I was away and I was super inspired by it. And then the day after I finished it, the book by John Eldridge called Resilient came out and he's really talking about you know, really similar things. And so I just kind of got like bowled over by the weight of, hey dude, are you gonna give up? And I came out the other side going, you know, I, I, I'm not gonna give up. I don't want to. In fact, I find myself uh, so dissatisfied in the spaces and places in my life where I am giving up and uh, yeah, that that's not working for me. Yeah. Anyway, I'll talk talk a bit more about that as we sort of roll on. But I thought maybe we could start out. Um, I thought maybe we could start out this morning uh, just reflecting on a verse, um, taking taking like five minutes uh, with the person who's sitting beside you or if you're on your own. 
um, yeah, take a minute and just stop and, and reflect on this, this verse for yourself. Maybe pull out your phone and make a few notes on it. If you're sitting by yourself on Zoom or if you got somebody beside you, um, maybe just have a chat about this verse and what sticks out to you or what hits you or what lands with you. And so I'm going to read it once and then I'm going to, uh, invite you to take a moment to read it again, uh, in, in, in wherever you are, whatever context you find yourself out loud. Uh, and just, just take a minute to think about this passage and what sticks out to me or what hits me. It's a familiar verse, be warned. Uh, but sometimes in the familiarity of a verse, we miss the power of it. So take a minute and just reflect on where this hits us today. And let's talk about it. Let's talk about what sticks out to us. So I'm going to read it through and then we'll uh, kick out for 10 minutes to have a read of it and just a bit of a chat about it. But it's Philippians chapter three. Sorry, I should have said that earlier. So if you got a device or, a, or an actual book in front of you, those both of those are uh, reasonable possibilities. <laughs> Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 to 16. All right. Philippians 3, 12 to 16. Not that I have already obtained it, this goal of being Christ-like, or have already been made perfect, but I actively press on so that I may take hold of that perfection for which Christ Jesus took hold of me, and made me his own. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider that I have made it my own yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching towards what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the heavenly prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature, pursuing spiritual perfection, should have this attitude. And if in any respect you have a different attitude, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us stay true to what we have already attained. Okay. Well, let's take a minute. I'll jump off of this. We'll, I'll ask somebody in this room to read it out. You do the same where you are. If you're sitting there with one person, just read it out loud again. If you're sitting on your own, read back through it. And then just take a minute to reflect on what is it that really pings me? What sticks out to me there? What thoughts does this encourage to me? And we'll share those around in the space where you are and then come back together to, to chat a bit more about, about this passage. So yeah, take a minute, read it, and um, let's, let's let it land. Yeah, whatever's going on in your room in Zoom, we yeah, took some time in here to read the passage and just kind of yeah, reflect on some of the, the pieces that are in here. And um, I must be rolling s with some of the deep thinkers because yeah, we sort of, sort, of, sort of brought some of the depth of this passage out in here, just sort of, sort of as we sit in it. Um, but, you know, I sort of, <clears throat> I, guess, I guess I introduced, I guess I introduced the idea that I'm leaning to at the beginning of this, which is this idea of don't give up. And I mean, you can hear that theme through this passage in, in the term press on, you know, press on, which is to say, don't give up, you know, and it's like, yeah, Carolina really loved what, what you just shared like 10 seconds bef be before I switched the mic back on. It's like, you know, this idea that there's something active about that, you know, that I think sometimes we think that pressing on is just get up and face another day, but getting up and just facing another day can be as much giving up as pressing on. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's like, uh, you know, what would the difference between giving up and pressing on look like? 
in your life. You know, like when you search for that line, uh, yeah, I think it depends on the goal. And sometimes I think accepting a lesser goal is giving up. Yep. I'm just going to survive. Well, I think that's giving up. You know, there are times where we have to survive to reach the goal. Like survival skills are essential to life, right? Survival skills are like the foundational, like we maintain existence at all costs. But your goal for your life isn't to exist. The deep desire isn't in your heart isn't just that you would have made it from birth to death and said, yep, I lived. <laughs> That's survival as a goal, right? I'm just going to stay alive. I'm going to stay fed. I'm going to make it through another day. You know, but I think it's really easy to live that as a goal. I think it's really easy for that to become a goal. And if I'm being honest, I think in some senses, giving up for me looks like accepting survival as a goal, a lifestyle, an end outcome. You know, and, I, and, and if you're in a season where you're just hanging on by a thread and survival's all you got, this, this is not, that's pressing on if, that, if that's where you are. And so there are times where survival is the focus, you know, like I think if we're being honest, some of what we've gone through in the past two or three years in our world has led us to need survival. Hey, we just got to get through this and that I still exist, that I'm not a disgraceful human being, um, still got life in me. You know, that, that's a good thing to say today. But I think what I've realized is that I've found a goal existing in my life that sounds more like giving up than pressing on. And so, you know, in, in, in this, you know, Paul's urging us and encouraging us in, in some things, you know. You know, first of all, he's saying, hey, I'm not there, but I'm going to tell you what my goal is. I'm going to tell you what my goal is. My goal is that I'd be like Christ, that, that I'd live out a life like his. And, and in, in the first part of this passage, he kind of characterizes that with a bit more passion, the, the bit that precedes this. So I'm going to read it because it sort of characterizes what he's talking about here. And so he says in verse 7, seven to 16, Philippians 3, 7 to 16, which is, is, is the part we just read. He says, but whatever former things, you know, he's going on talking about how amazing he is and how he's got the right to brag about his life. And just if anybody could be awesome, it should be me. Yeah, that's pretty much what he's saying. But he's saying, but that, that's not the case. So he goes on to say, but whatever former things were gains to me, whatever my life was set upon, whatever my goal was previously, uh, as I thought then, these things once regarded as advancements in merit, I have come to consider as loss, completely worthless for the sake of Christ and for the purpose which with, with which he's given my life. He's saying, I once had a purpose. I once had a goal. I was pressing on for something, but I've been changed. And that goal is now not a thing. He's saying, and, and he's putting in place of that, this idea that there's a purpose which Christ has given his life. And that's the thing. That's the thing. You know, he's saying that's the thing. But he said, but more than that, I count everything as a loss compared to the priceless privilege and supreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, and of growing more deeply and thoroughly acquainted with him, a joy unequaled. Well, he's starting to characterize this now. He's going, you want to know what I'm pressing on for here? Let me tell you a little bit more about it. 
is that God's given me a purpose. But you know what? Even beyond that purpose, just knowing him, there's actually nothing more in my life that I want than to know him. You know, this is deep desire flowing from Paul that he's starting to tell us, I've come to see something that's worth it. He says, for his sake, I have lost everything. And I consider it all garbage so that I may gain Christ and I may be found in him, believing and relying on him, not having any righteousness of my own derived from my own obedience to the law and its rituals, but possessing that genuine righteousness, which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness, which comes from God on the basis of faith. And this so that I may know him experientially becoming more thoroughly acquainted with him, understanding the remarkable wonders of his person more completely. And in that same way, experience the power of his resurrection, which overflows and is active in believers, and that I may share the fellowship of his sufferings by being continually conformed inward, inwardly into his likeness, even to death dying as he did, so that I may attain the resurrection that will raise me from the dead. And he goes on, this is the passage we just read, not that I've already obtained this, it, the goal of being Christ-like, or have already been made perfect, but I actively press on so that I may take hold of that perfection which Christ Jesus took hold of me and made me his own. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider that I've made it my own yet, but one thing I do, Forgetting what lies behind and reaching towards what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the heavenly prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature pursuing spiritual perfection should have this same attitude. And if in any respect you have a different attitude, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us stay true to what we have already attained. This is this beautiful invitation of Paul into a passion that he's found in his life, into a desire that's overtaken him. I mean, you don't give up everything. You don't consider things a loss. I mean, you consider this man's life like, you know, he's suffering, he's in prison, he's being persecuted. There's many, many, many situational external things that don't look like, oh, I found the Disneyland of Jesus and I've moved there. That's not what he's talking about here. He's saying there's a goal in my life. There is a desire that I have found overtaking everything. And in fact, since I've put my hands on it, since I've been able to find it, everything else doesn't measure up. You know, I think for me, it's like, okay, well, what is it I really want? You know, this book that, that I referred to called Say Yes, he sits in this, in this idea of what's the desire in your heart. You know, I think, think sometimes we can become a bit Buddhist in our theology and we can think that following Christ is about the eradication of desire, becoming neutral so that God can just have my life. Yeah, but what, what this idea is talking about is that the deepest desires within my life are present and are pressing me toward a God who is with me. James, this is what you were talking about. This is what you were talking about. I think there's something within me that loves beauty. And when I really connect with that deep desire for beauty, it's that I'm made to know God and he is beautiful. But I find myself so attracted to beauty 
because this desire within me wells up that wants something beautiful. And, and, and if we're being honest, at times, those desires get misdirected. You know, what, 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 this, what this author would suggest is that is our opportunity to see a misdirected outcome be the death of a dream that leads me to a truer and deeper source. You know, what a beautiful idea. You know, when the home that I wish I lived in is no longer a beautiful place to be, when I search for beauty in the things in my home or in the environment that I find myself and that beauty doesn't exist there, my heart still longs for beauty and the disappointment of my home not being beautiful, well, that can become my discouragement and my defeat. That can become my give up moment or can become my moment that I connect with something beautiful in its place. You know, that idea, right? <laughs> Anyways, you know, I think, I th I think in this, in this invitation to press on, it can only form from desire. And it's like, well, what do I really want? What do I really want? Paul, he puts it out here and he goes, this is what I want. I want to know God and I want to be about the purpose that he's placed on my life. And that is the wholehearted oomph of my life. And it's like, wow, what deep within me do I want? I mean, that's what he wants. I, I can't take that and just go, okay, that's the right thing to want. You know, so some pieces are really coming together for me here. You know, it, 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 not that long ago, God, may well, a while ago, I guess it doesn't seem that long ago. It was probably three years ago, two and a half. I felt like God kind of landed this truth on me where he said, some things of my kingdom can't be found through rote obedience. You know, this idea of I will do what I'm supposed to do because you told me to do it. That's rote obedience, right? I'm, and I'm not saying, hey, let's disobey. You know, like, like this isn't the, you know, this, this isn't the, the message to go, rebel. <laughs> I mean, rebel against that, I guess, that my life must be about rote obedience, you know. But when you think about that, it's like, I will follow the instruction to a T. And that is what I will do. You know, some of us are really good at that. Some of us are really not good at that, but, but let's just, you know, let's just say like th this was this truth that was landing. And what, what he said to me is there are some things of my kingdom and my heart and my purpose for people that can only be accessed through desire. There are some things of my kingdom that cannot be accessed through rote obedience, but can only be found through desire. I, I, you know, that really challenges me. I think it'd be simpler if God would just say, I want all of my people to live this way and do this thing and be this person and act in this way. It's not that we don't have those things, but, but also woven within that is this picture of a body that looks so different, different things, different parts, doing different, how can the eye say to the hand, I don't need you, I'm an eye. I'm obeying to be an eye. You know, it's like there's this diversity to this and the desires and the, the, the heartbeat that God puts within his people affect the plans and purposes of God. And there's things that he has for us that can only flow from putting my hands on the purpose that God's placed on my life and the desire that I cannot escape within me. And I've got to come to believe that that's leading me into the plan that God's got for my life and that it's going to serve him. But what is it? And have I given up on it? 
Because there are times when things come in our life that cause us to give up on the very thing that we're made for. It tells us you're never going to make it. Life tells us you're never going to get there. You're not good enough. You're not cool enough. You haven't got enough money. You're not powerful enough. You haven't got it together like somebody else. And we start giving up on the very thing that's on our life. And we start settling for survival. And now we're pressing on to survive, but that's not pressing on to anything. That's stuck in a moment. I've made camp in the place of give up. And it's too hard to believe that there could be a purpose ahead for me. I mean, I love what Paul says here. He says, I'm going to forget what's behind. I'm going to press on to what's ahead. Do you know what? There are some outcomes that we've got to let go of because they've told us a story about the purpose for our life that's not serving the future. When I find myself in this present moment, in the present moment, pressing on is a present active engagement. It's a today thing. And it's like, well, where am I today? Okay, I might be discouraged that where I am today isn't where I thought I'd be today. Let's let that go. Let's let that, let's let that, let's leave that in the behind. Let's grieve it. Let's process it. Let's talk to God about it. Let's talk to each other about it. But now where am I today? And, and what is satisfying about the place that I find myself? And what is God showing me in my today that he's pulling me forward into? Forgetting what's behind, I press on toward what's ahead. Now, there is every chance that what I believe is ahead is not how it's going to play out. Right? I might believe that what's ahead is the house on the cliff overlooking the beach. Now, it might not play out that way. You know, I might be pressing on towards a picture that doesn't play out, but what do I do in that moment again? I get present and I press on. What's the purpose of God in my life? What are the things that he's planted deep within me? What are these desires that no matter where I find myself or no matter what I find myself doing, deep within me is a desire for, you know, for me, I spent some time on this. I was like, God, what is it for me? What is the deepest desires in my heart? And look, hey, this, this will be an evolving process. I'll give you that, but I'll, I'll, I'll give you what, what some of it is for me. I want to do deep life deeply with God, with myself and with the people that I love. That's a big desire in my heart. God, I want to be so present with myself that I can relate deeply to you. And I, I want to be deeply in life with the people who are around me who I love. Now, first and foremost, that's Ella and Leela, Leela and Ella. That's the people I'm going to live with. I want to do life deeply. I want to be present with my daughter and with my wife. You know, things that you were saying. I want to acknowledge in this moment the things that I love about the people that I've been given with. And I want to be deeply present in that and enjoy that and fight for that. And then, then the people who surround me, you know, my church fam, the people that God's given me in my life. I want to do life deeply. Yeah, that's a big desire in my heart. And yeah, that might not be your desire. And that's not the righteous desire. This is just me. This is what I'm pressing on for. Now, it's going to be shaped differently for you. You know, I mean, for Glenn, he's got a massive, deep desire for business. I want to see God in this business, and I want to see business move forward, and I want to see business, you know, make money for the kingdom. Well, it's different for me. Okay, I'll do that, but I do that because I want to do life deeply with people. So I'll get into business, but that's just to be close to you. you know, do you know what I mean? Like, we're driven by different desires, but it serves God that it would be so. Yeah, and the second thing that I identified is I want to live a life that's inspired to faith and inspires faith. I want to continue to surround myself by voices that push me to take greater trust in God and live a life of faith. And I want the life that I live to inspire faith to those who are around me. 
Those two deep desires in my life, and I want those things. And no matter where I find myself, I can come back to those. You know what? I don't have to have success in business to do those things. I don't have to have a bank account full of money. I don't have to live in Australia. I don't have to do any of the things, none of the external things of my life have to be present so that I could pursue those things. It doesn't matter where I am. It doesn't matter what I'm doing. I can pursue those things. I can. And when I look back at my life, those things have been driving me. But also, there is a force that wants me to give up on those things. Wants me to give up and believe faith's not inspiring, it's defeating and discouraging. You know, deep life is too hard. Shut down, disconnect. Doing life deeply with myself is too painful, so just watch Netflix. That's giving up. That's giving up. For me, that's giving up. It's going to look different for you. But it's like, where in my life am I giving up and not pressing on? Yeah, uh, interestingly, and I'm going to bring this into land. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, 13, you know, it speaks to God's relationship to our desire. And Leela and I have been talking a lot about this. You know, we, we were reflecting on the time when we went to Malawi and we were like, we wanted that. We moved our lives to Africa because we wanted to, not because it was the act of obedience, not because it was the righteous will of God for the people of God to serve the poor, not because we thought this would look good or not because we wanted it. I, I don't know why, because when we got there, we were like, what were we thinking? But we were there because we wanted to be there. We had a desire to be there. And we were talking about this, Leela and I, and we were like, you know what? It doesn't have to be easy to be good. It doesn't have to be easy to be good. Hard can be good too. And if I got there because I desired it, I can now desire a hard thing. Actually, if this serves the purpose that's on my life and the goal that I'm, if I'm pressing on, I don't have to, it doesn't have to be easy. It doesn't gotta be easy. And you know, we reflect on some of the things we desire now. And if I'm being honest, we, we romanticize things as we play the vision forward, right? We go like, when we sat there, we were like, oh, we're moving to Africa. Oh, this can be wonderful. We're going to do the will of God. We're going to be surrounded by, you know, people. He's, oh, this is going to be good. The kids, how good is it going to be? Oh, the teachers who are teaching. Oh, the village. It'll be wonderful. Okay. It, 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 it was hard. It was hard. But we weren't there because somebody made us go. We were there because God gave us a desire, and we responded to the desire within us to allow our lives to serve the purpose that God put on us. But we wanted it. And this verse speaks to that. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. For it is not your strength, but it is God who is effectively at work in you, both to will and to work. That is strengthening, energizing, and creating in you the longing and the ability to fulfill your purpose for his good pleasure. In the new living for Ben. He said he loves it. Philippians chapter two, verse 13. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Wow, this is interesting. 
Because if my MO is rote obedience, I'm missing out on what is going to, you know, if you think about somebody telling you what you need to do and you obeying it, yeah, it takes a lot of oomph and discipline to accomplish it. But when you've got a desire for something, you try and stop it. Think of the power difference between rote obedience, I'm going to do the right thing, and desire, I want this. You know, which is stronger? Like, put it on a scale and go, what's going to get you there more effectively? What's going to get the job done? What's going to endure the hard thing? What's going to see through? What's going to be the press on? You know, if we, can start to, uh, if we can start to access within us both the desire that God's welling up for us and believe in it and hope for it and hold on to it and press on for it, you know, and despite the outcomes not playing out the way we thought, continue to let him shape and refocus and reinterpret where that desire is leading us. The desire is still there even when the outcome doesn't play out. Come back to the desire and let him reshape the, the vision for the journey ahead. This is the imperfect part of it. But the good news is he's at work giving you both the desire and the power. And they're connected. If we're doing something without the desire, we're possibly missing out on the power. Because now I'm doing this by rote obedience, and that's my own strength. But the Spirit of God is welling up within the people of God the desire for the path that he's got. In fact, he's already planted it within you. He's already put it there. We just got to press in and press on. What is it? What do I want? What do I really want? You know, this author that I read, and this, this always is in his stuff, so I'm telling you don't feel like I'm reading you a book, go read the book. It, it'll encourage you. But, you know, he talks about an exercise that his wife does every year on her birthday. And he, she goes through this, this question of where, you know, what's the life you envisage for yourself? Where are you living? What does your house look like? What's the job you do? Who do you hang out with? How do you spend your time? Just imagining the life of my dreams, you know? What's my life look like? If, if, if money weren't an issue, if there were no restrictions, what would, I, what would my life look like? Yeah. And then turns a corner in that exercise to go, what are the characteristics of a person who would want that life? What are the non-external realities? And so I'll give you an example. One of his dreams is to live in a house that overlooks a surf beach. He's a surfer. He thinks that'd be super cool. That's one of his dreams in his heart. He goes, well, I'm living in a house that overlooks the beach and watches the waves roll in. And so that's one of his dreams. That's an external thing. And he says, what's the internal characteristic of a person who would desire that external thing? And he says, the truth of the matter is I'm a person who wants to be deeply connected to nature and who wants to live a life of peace and reflection. That's what he boils that down to. He goes, the thing in my heart that causes me to imagine my life in that house is I want to be connected to nature. I want to live a peaceful existence and I want to be able to reflect personally. And then he says, now what can I do today to begin to move towards that desire? Take the house out of it, move towards the desire that's in my heart to be connected to nature, to live at peace and to be personally reflective. It's like, oh, that's a powerful thought. But what he's not doing is telling himself off for the desire for that house. He's exploring it and he's going, what's in me that, that that's the person I am, that that's the thing I want. 
And he's letting desire point him to the thing that God's placed in him and is saying, that's going to lead me down the path of purpose towards the things of God. Desire is not going to fail me. It's going gonna, it's gonna to tap me into the power of God to accomplish the purpose that God's placed on my life. I, I think it's a, an exciting invitation. And I hear it in Paul's words. Don't give up. Leave the, let the past be in the past. Forget what's behind and keep pressing on towards the goal. What's the goal? What, the, what, what is it? Put your finger on it. Put your hands on it. Let that, let that be a desire. Don't, don't fear the goal. How, how often do we come to God and we go, oh, man, oh, I don't know if I want to ask God the goal of my life because he's probably going to you know, make it something I hate and what I don't want. And, oh, yeah, we all know. I mean, Leela and I, you know, when we got married, we were like, I was like, Leela, before we get married, will you do anything for Jesus? You know, it's like gun to your head. <laughs> I'm going to saddle my life to you. I want to know, would you do anything for Jesus? And she was like, yeah, anything except move to Africa. I was like, yeah, that's me too. I'm not going to Africa. I'm no, I'm no missionary. I'm no, I'm no missionary. We're in. We are. I was like, what do we do? We wanted it. What we didn't want one day, we wanted another day. Why? Because God gave us the desire and the power. And he met us in it. And he used it for us, but we wanted it. What we previously didn't want, we wanted that day. Why? Because God messes with his people. No, because he's got good things for us. And what was it on that day that had us not wanting that thing in the future? Well, we know how the enemy works. He tries to convince us that the things of power and purpose in our life are undesirable. That's how he comes to rob, steal, kill, and destroy. I'm going to tell you the thing that's most in your heart that you want is awful and horrible and undesirable. I'm going to tell you, you've got to be a, if you're not a doctor, you're nobody. And so I'm going to set my life on being a doctor. And the truth of the matter is the desire of my heart is to be a gardener. Isn't that the way it works? Like, let's kick off this stuff that says you've got to be something. You've got to get somewhere. Let's go, what is it in my heart? What's the purpose that God's given me? What's the desire that's welling up within me that goes, it doesn't matter where I am. It doesn't matter what I'm doing. It doesn't matter what my life looks like. This is the thing that's pulling me. And then God said to me, the other day, he said, he said, this is not about applying self-discipline. You know, I think that's become evident in, in what we're sharing here today. But rather, you know, this, this, this pressing on is not about self-discipline. This is about not giving up on the truest desires within your heart. This is not about self-discipline and becoming better and doing better. This is about not giving up on the deepest, truest desires in your heart. That's permission. That's permission to dream again. That's permission to restore a purpose, to say, I'm pressing on and I'm not giving up. It's in me and it hasn't played out the way that I thought, but my God's not finished. And he put this here. He put this here. So I'm going to keep pressing on. It's like, you know, and I thought about it, you know, giving up on those truest, deepest desires. You think about the moments where that occurs. The moments where we check out. You know, you think about what giving up looks like for you. It's not like one big give up. You know, we're giving up in a thousand ways every week. And it's like, I have made my goal I don't want to give up. Is this giving up? 
Is this giving up? Is this giving up? I don't want it then. I don't want to check out. I want to press on. I want to press on. Not because Paul's telling me I should. It's there. That's what I truly desire. I don't want to give up. I don't want to survive. I want to live. All right. And then with one more passage. This is going on a long time. Sorry. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14 to 21, I think Paul kind of sums it up a little bit in this. He says, for this reason, he says, awake, sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine as dawn upon you and give you light. Therefore, see that you walk carefully, living life with honor and purpose, courage, shunning those who tolerate and enable evil, not as the unwise, but as the wise, as the sensible, the intelligent, discerning people. Make the very most of your time on earth, recognizing and taking advantage of each opportunity and using it with wisdom and diligence because the days are filled with evil. Therefore, do not be foolish and thoughtless, but understand and firmly grasp what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that's wickedness, corruption, and stupidity. But be filled with the Holy Spirit and constantly guided by him. Speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, offering praise, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ being subject to one another out of reverence for Christ. Don't give up. Live like this moment matters. Live as wise. See this. Don't, don't, don't give up. You know, it's like, you know, it's like you can hear this through a few different lenses, but it's like, do not get drunk with wine. But just hear that as don't give up. Don't give up on the thing you really want. Don't let the dream for the Holy Spirit alive in you, guiding you towards a purpose, be given up for something that the world has to offer. What's your version of that? What's your version of that? Don't, don't get caught in the one thing. Hear the heart of this verse. Don't give up. There's more. This day matters. Yes, our world, the days are full of emptiness. You know, evil is the term that's used here. It's like the, the days are full of something that's going to rob your life of its true purpose and your true desire and your true satisfaction. The days are full of it. Well, we can say amen to that, right? But don't give up. Don't give up. This, this. Be filled with the Holy Spirit, constantly guided. Connect with the people around you. Sing songs, praise, offer gratitude to God, giving thanks to him. Be together in it. That's what this passage is saying. Let's live as those who are wise and aware. Let's live as those who see. Let's live as those who are not afraid to press on. Yeah, amen. Amen. All right, let's take... Uh, Let's take 15, kick this out to groups and just kind of chew on it with who you're sitting with or if you're sitting on your own, maybe pull out your journal and just have a chat to Jesus about the things that, that are being shared here today and what that means to you. But yeah, I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up, but I, I've, been, I've been giving up. Yeah, that's the truth. All right, let's kick it out to groups. We'll... Give it 15 and we'll come back together. Well, I think...
you know, if, if I had to like, you know, land this was just a little wrap up comment, I think it'd be something to the effect of, you know, we've become really good as a people, as a family, as a group of people of seeking God's heart, you know, and despite pieces along the way that say, Hey, what you desire matters or what you want matters. I think sometimes we've seen that as an obstacle. You know, I think sometimes we've seen that as a, uh, you know, I gotta just shut all that down and just go, God, what do you want? And like, Hey, hey you know, like there, there's a place in me that wants what he wants. You know, that there's, there's truth to that. And God's going to meet us in this process of, you know, taking a look at our heart, taking a look at our lives, taking a look at the things that sit within, deep within me that goes, this is what I want. And I think what I'm believing is, you know, Philippians chapter two, verse 13, reality. That God doesn't just tell us what to do from his spirit that's joined me in this life who has come and taken over the depths of my being. He doesn't just tell me what to do so I can march out his orders. He wells up within me a desire and a passion for the things that he loves. In fact, he's implanted within each of us something unique in that space that serves his outcomes. And we don't have to shut down the things within us, but when we go deep there together with him, we find something far more powerful than do the right thing. We find a passion for the life that we're made for rising and it can't be stopped. You know, what will see people charge through hard things and persist, you know, God talks so much about suffering and perseverance. Only desire will take you there. Only a desire for something will keep you pressing on. And it's like, yes, let's get that. This is a powerful force that can't be stopped. And God's put it within each of us. And what an exciting thing to begin to find and express that. So, all right, I'll get out of the way.